KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener-supported community radio. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Hope you had a great weekend. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up on the show tonight, we're going to mash up Music Meets Activism with our friends at Magnify Utah out of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. It's a new platform online. We'll put a link in the show notes where you can learn more about all the neighbors in the 801. There's a clap back to 801 Day a week ago (laughs) right here on KRCL. So coming up, Music Meets Activism in Magnify Utah. We're going to talk with Claudia Loiza. She's back and she's brought with her Rosanna Benali-Sog. And she is going to tell us a bit more about land acknowledgements, okay? She's written a, a tutorial for folks in her division to do land acknowledgements acknowledging the folks who were here in Utah long before 1847 and Utah LDS pioneers entered the valley. They've also got a great playlist to go with, so do stick around as we get to more Music Meets Activism here on Radioactive. First, though, some rallies and resources. Hey, today, it's Mondays in the Park, every Monday at Liberty Park, and that's going on through September 12th. Different music and art and dance going on, and tonight... August 8th, they've got at 7 p.m. Wasatch Intertribal Dance Troupe and at 8, Kargi Kalakendra. Next week, the 15th, Ballet Las Americas de Utah and Los Hermanos de los Andes. So for the full lineup, you can go to rallies and resources at krcl.org. It's under the Community Affairs tab and get a quick link. Don't forget this weekend, the Friendly Islands Tongan Festival, August 11th through 13th at Jordan Park. Yvonne Nash of KRCL's own Talakola will be here tomorrow night to tell us all about it. In the meantime, you can get details under the Rallies and Resources page at krcl.org. Also next weekend, the third annual Indian Food Fair at Liberty Park and the first annual Utah Flower Day 5 to 8 at Wheeler Historic Farm. We talked all about it on Friday's edition of Radioactive with the Punk Rock Farmer. September 2nd, 3rd, and 5th, Polynesian Days. And don't forget, September 3rd, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, Honey Days, a Salt Lake City local music and art festival at the Commonwealth Room. Going on this Wednesday, the Cork Community uh, Coalition of Religious Communities, rather. They're having a webinar on adding affordable housing to backyards and faith community-owned properties. It's at 1 p.m. online. You just need to sign on up to get all the Zoom info. And on August 12th, as part of Friendly Island Festival, a Say Say Resting Collectively, Rising Collectively, an art installation exhibit by Oceania Pacifica Communities in Utah. And we're going to do another show on that tomorrow night. So do check back in. In the meantime, before we get to Music Meets Activism, a quick conversation I had over the weekend with Professor Amos Giora. He's a professor of law up at the S.J. Quinney College of Law at the University of Utah, author of The Crime of Complicity, The Bystander, and The Holocaust. He's got a few more weeks in Jerusalem with his family before he heads back for the next semester at the U. And if you saw the news, there was more missile exchange between 
Islamic Jihad and Israel over the weekend. Since then, a ceasefire has been struck by the parties. But I had a chance to Zoom with the professor to get his take on what's going on. How are you? Good. Good. How are things? Has it been a restless couple of days, a worrisome couple of days? No, I, I, I don't. That's I wouldn't use that word. Okay. I think I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, um, it's the same go around, go around with no resolution. So bring us up to speed um, on what happened then and what started it. So it was clear that something was going to happen because either last week or two weeks ago, the head of the Islamic Jihad was either killed or arrested in the West Bank. I don't remember, one or the other. Um, and the Islamic Jihad in Gaza made it very clear that they were going to do something. Today is Saturday. So some beginning is, I think, midweek, southern Israel bordering Gaza, um, in essence, shut down um, because it was clear that something was going to happen. And um, I mean, that Islamic Jihad was going to fire rockets into Israel. And preemptively, yesterday, last night, Israel did a targeted killing of the head of the Islamic Jihad in Gaza. And that hit was pinpoint, which was the intended purpose. Obviously, as, as, as oftentimes happens, innocent people were killed, including a five-year-old child, which, of course, is terribly tragic. And from then until even now, rockets are being fired by the Islamic Jihad from Gaza into Israel proper. And Israel, in response, is conducting you know, aerial attacks in Gaza. But the difference is, and it's complicated, in previous operations, it's been Israel versus Hamas, which is the ruling entity in the Gaza Strip. The Islamic Jihad is a small group that is not you know, the government, Hamas is the government. Islamic Jihad um, is a group, subgroup, again, you know, definitions. Um, and so when Israel attacks them, you have to be super careful because you're not targeting the, the broader group, which is Hamas. You're focusing on a very specific group, which has far less means available to it than Hamas does. I mean, Hamas is a state. On the other hand, no government in this case, Israel, can allow for a population group, Israelis who live in the South, to be hunkered down or to be, you know, near L-raid shelters or schools, can't, oh, there's no school, not to the vacation, but people not to go to work. I mean, you can't live like this. But what is interesting, I think what is important is, what time is it here? It's 8.20 in the evening, um, Saturday, that to date, and things, of course, are so fluid, to date, Hamas has not joined the Islamic Jihad in fighting. Is that because they understand that if they do, they'll get whacked? Will they get whacked? Yes. Are they playing? Are there internal tensions between Hamas and the Islamic Jihad? Of course. What's the role of Egypt as a possible broker? I think it's fair to state that uh, President Biden and the American administration at the moment are so distracted, whether by the situation in the Ukraine or by China, Taiwan, Pelosi, that I would imagine that in the grand scale, grand scheme of things, from the American perspective, this is not a burning issue. Full stop. Full stop. On the other hand, if it you know goes gets out of control, conflagration, then I would think that from an American perspective, then and only then 
would they feel the need to become involved? I think that for at the moment, I don't see American involvement, but what I do see, you know, in the crazy Middle East, will the Turks try to get involved? I remind that the Israeli Air Force conducts, I don't know if daily, but regular air raids over air attacks over Syria with the Russian Air Force there. And so that obviously requires cooperation between the Israeli Air Force and the Russian Air Force. So the Russians are not here in Israel, but you know somewhere out there in Syria. Um, it seems to be that that as far as I can tell, that um, the government has announced that this will be a week long operation. Ask me exactly what the stated goal is, other than the the mantra of making life safe for Israelis in southern Israel and you know attacking the Islamic Jihad and hitting the Islamic Jihad. Those are mantras which, you know, waking up at three o'clock in the morning, I can give them to you. Um, and I would like to think three things. One, that there's no interest whatsoever that Hamas becomes involved. Two, that under no condition would Israel send in ground troops into Gaza. I mean, that's the fear, I think, for any sane Israeli. That would keep you up at night, right? And three, that the Egyptians will be able to play some kind of a role, comma, whatever that means, comma, if that serves their interest, because this is all about self-interest. And I remind that the most important um, mantra in the Middle East, the slogan in the Middle East, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And uh, that's the way to view all this. Um, I think to date, it's a handful of Israelis who've been injured. I think it's a limited number of Gazans who've been killed. I mean, the guy who was killed last night, Friday night, he was the intended target of a really, really well done pinpoint attack, right? Missile right into his living room. Um, where we go from here, I'm not really sure. And the Biden administration, of course, just as last week announcing its targeted hit on the Al Qaeda leader, Ayman al Zawahiri. Sure. So I'm I'm seeing some parallels, but for the average American, I think we're consumed with the upcoming midterms, the general election in November. So can you kind of bottom line it for our listeners about why we need to keep our eye on this and why it matters? Sure, because, absolutely. Because what happened, even though we all think this is local, right? Israel, Gaza, Gaza, Israel. Um, the rate with which things can spiral out of control um, and the way that and spiraling out of control can always impact American interests. Um, you know, the Biden administration is now in, is keen on relations with Saudi Arabia, problematic. They're again, enemy of my enemies, my friend, because of Iran. Um, jihad, jihad, the Islamic Jihad is supported by Iran. How does this impact the, the nuclear negotiation with Iran? Um, don't know. But I think in terms to your question, in terms of the larger American interests, I think that the broader Middle East and in particular, but not only the, the nuclear deal with Iran, I think that clearly. Um, and I think that's why there's a, it would be a, a great interest in having this thing wrap, wrap up quickly. And then I immediately add until the next round. And Iran still saying through its various commanders that it will destroy Israel. Sure. And the chances of that happening are the chances of me having them on here. For folks who can't see, check tonight's show post.
We've been doing Music Meets Activism this month, and I know there's always a song you want to play, and why is that? Why does this song mean so much to you, Amos? Should I stay or should I go? It's the quintessential I I was, question. I, was a, I'm, I'm, I think it's a great story. I was, a, I think, a junior or senior in college, and I was at a party, and there was a, an attractive young woman, and I, and I was with a friend of mine. I said, like, how do I go up and introduce myself? Hi, I'm Amos Dior. I mean, how boring is that, right? And the song, Should I Stay or Should I Go, came on the, the, the DJ, right? And I went up to her and I said, should I stay or should I go? And she said, go. Boom. <laughs> Thanks for ending this conversation about missile strikes with a sense of humor, Amos. Please be well. When do you oh, get back to the States? Two weeks from tomorrow. Well, we'd love to have you live in the new studios. We'll see you then, my friend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Professor Amos Giora, safe travels. We'll get you that song now. It's The Clash. Should I stay or should I go on KRCL 90.9? This is Radioactive. The Americans with Disabilities Act turns 32 this month. The Utah Division of Services for People with Disabilities helps people with disabilities live their best, most independent life by providing services, such as employment and independent living in their communities. Learn more at dspd.utah.gov. Support for KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru, a community partner of YWCA Utah and the Stand Against Racism Challenge. Mark Miller Subaru loves diversity. Learn more at ywcautah.org and markmillersubaru.com. Get out your calendars. We've got a date you've been waiting for. KRCL's annual record in CD sale will be kicking off Friday, September 9th as part of the KRCL Block Party. It's on 909. Get it? We've been collecting your donated vinyl over the past two years, and we have to say, it might be the best we've ever had. So mark your calendars, September 9th, for the KRCL record and CD sale and block party. If you're looking to get rid of your vinyl, we're still taking those tax-deductible donations of your gently used records. Email me, eric, at recordsale at krcl.org for more information. And welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8 and Michelle's Night Train at 10.30. John Florence with your brand new day coming around again each weekday at 6 a.m. You can listen to the last two weeks of any show, including Radioactive, under the programming tab at krcl.org. We've got Listen On Demand for the last two weeks of any show. Just sort by date or by show title. And of course, you can find all the show titles and the schedule under that same tab. All right, time to mash up Magnify Utah and Music Meets Activism. All month long, asking folks to come in and share their own playlists, what they do, why they do, how you can get engaged. And on Mondays in particular, we're talking with folks involved with Magnify Utah. We started learning about that last week with Claudia Loiza from the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. Hey, Claudia, welcome back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited for this next conversation and uh, a colleague of yours that you've brought in. But first, let's remind folks what the Multicultural Affairs Division does and what Magnify Utah is. Yeah, no, thanks again for having me 
back. I'm glad you're not tired of me um, or tired of this project. <laughs> but yeah, as a recap, um, the, I represent the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs as well as our special guest that'll be with us in just a second. And um, the division is uniquely positioned within, you know, state government, our state system to advance equity and opportunity and um, create inclusive environments for our multicultural communities. And one way that we are striving to do that is through this Magnify Utah project, which is all about connecting multicultural places, stories, and communities through this digital online platform. Um, and I am super grateful that we have this platform for the next couple of weeks because we're going to be featuring and doing a deep dive on some of the topics that we explore. And this particular one I'm super excited about because it's very near and dear to um, our team, I think, as a whole and to um, you know my personal connections as well with our indigenous communities. But um, again, the, the story map component, which we talked about last time, is a digital storytelling tool, right? Um, so we have different story maps on places, peoples, and histories, and um, it's really going to help provide, I think, a better and a more in-depth educational experience for folks when they go onto the site. Um, they'll be able to dive in again to um, a topic for today, which is going to be Indigenous land acknowledgements, but um, we have a variety of other topics too. We've got redlining on there. We've got place That's coming up on Monday, by the exactly. way, with Nicole Bordeaux. Yes, a so week from tonight. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then I also heard from Representative. I believe she's a representative, right? Janet Iwamoto. Did I Senator? Get, so, yeah. Oh, sorry about no, that. Sorry about that. Kind of hard. Yeah. It's... But she's all excited. She's like, I'm going to bring in this other person with oh, me great. Yeah, who yeah, yeah. can talk about this because they're almost 100 years old. Yeah. We're going to talk about topaz. We're going to talk about yep. Japanese internment, American exactly. concentration camps. Exactly. And she mentioned something I hadn't heard about before as existing in the state of Utah that she's um, wants to shine a light on. So folks, that's coming up. Too yes. Lots of spoilers, series. right? We're teasing out and hopefully <laughs> getting you to come back. Yeah. Well, and the whole point is a lot of times we say, well, where do I go to? Who can teach me this? And yeah. this is creating a, a shared memory box. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're trying to centralize as much as we can the different stories, communities, really places of significance and you know beyond the story map collection we've got we ha also have an asset directory so if you want to jump on our website it's multicultural.utah.gov forward slash magnify and the directory has over 300 different listings right now and it's going to continue to grow um, Salt Lake County again was kind of the focus but um, you can search for different locations organizations and places that really relate to you and your community so if you're looking for you know a place to just really call your own to find a sense of belonging and you're just moved into Utah, for example. I know I had a friend that um, just moved here from Philadelphia, actually, and um, she was, you know, asking me, where do I go to really connect to the Latinx, Hispanic, Latino community? And I said, we've got a wonderful directory that can help you, you know, just narrow down maybe some of the places and the people you want to connect to. So um, I think I mentioned this last time, but it's, it's really an overarching tool to not just celebrate the diversity that is growing in our state, but also as a way to retain it and then also put it on a platform where we can connect and share those stories a little bit better. So, Well, let's meet our next guest from the Magnify Utah Project. We have yes. Rosanna Benali-Sag. Hi. Hi. First of all, did I pronounce your name correctly? Yes, you did. I forgot to ask before we crack the mic, so thank you for bearing with me. But you are a development and project coordinator with the Division of Multicultural yes. Affairs, but your heritage 
is also ripe for storytelling tonight. So give us the origin story of Rosanna Ben Ali Saad. Sure. So um, I come from a, a tribal community, um, which is definitely in a rural community down in southeast Utah. Um, my parents come from there. I am. Um, I went to school at University of New Mexico. Um, it definitely was a, a great experience going out there. And then also uh, when I got married, I came here. And um, yeah, I, I think where I come from has a, a strong set of roots as far as, especially when it comes to like placemaking as well, the importance of um, just different uh, things in my culture as far as like, uh, and the song that is going to be played soon is, is called the um, Four Sacred Mountain Song. And so within those boundaries of the four, four sacred mountains, that's where our home is, our original homeland. And so anytime we go out of the, that place, we are also... Um, we have s certain ceremonies that we go through to kind of bless us along the way. And uh, and then so coming up this way, you know, as I am a visitor here, even in, on these lands here in Salt Lake Valley, uh, you know, there, there are ceremonies that you also do as well to, to bless you on your journey and to also have a good way of life as well. And so I come from San Juan County, a small place called Montezuma Creek, Utah. Um, I am the oldest of my family. And I think with that role, I have also so been sort of the the sort of like the second mom to my my siblings and my cousins um, but I think coming from there uh, to here it's also shown me a sense of um, home here that I can make this place my home as well now I understand in many Native American traditions there are clans and I was hoping you might be willing to share that with us oh sure yes uh, so I am of the towering house people uh, born for the towering house people my paternal or my maternal clans are or much sorry my maternal grandparents are uh, of the wa where the water meets Kohaglini and then my uh, paternal grandparents are of the Red Bottom people, which is Lashche. And so uh, the Towering House people, which I am born for, comes from my mother's clan. And so through that lineage, it helps identify uh, just who I am, also meaning like my lineage as, as well. So identifies my parents and then also identifies my grandparents too. And then also with that, you can also identify where you are. So when we talk about placemaking, even back then, there's uh, you know, a sense of history as far as and place where, where you come from, where your family line comes from. And that brings us to the subject of land acknowledgments, which uh, have been, um, I think, part of every Sundance that I've gone to the last, I don't know how many years, but uh, it's more and more common, I think, for land acknowledgement at events, even webinars that I've um, attended over the last couple of years. So what is a land acknowledgement and why is it important? So I think it means different things to many different people. Um, f but I think for me personally, uh, and actually I took a journey with the, with the help of my division as well too, as far as just the modern term land acknowledgement. So uh, traditionally within our culture, it was a practice that was done within sacred ceremony. So it wasn't like a public statement or anything. But, and then also, as we've come to more modern terms, I think it's also a sense of acknowledging who the people that inhabited these these lands here. And then also just giving sort of that place, like centering yourself of where you are at it, right now. And so, um, you know, and th there's different variations. There's different, um, I guess, degrees of land acknowledgments. And so... 
with what has come about, which is a little more scripted, um, it it acknowledges the people that have been here. So uh, some, you know, some recognize sort of the conglomerate tribes here, but also there's also land acknowledgments that recognize the tribal sovereignty of a lot of our native lands here. And then there's ones that, you know, they're just not public statements because they're part of ceremonies that have, you know, uh, been passed on from generation to generation. So we're going to play a song in a minute, but uh, I'm, I'm almost curious. I'm also curious about your thoughts about land acknowledgments. Um, they have, unfortunately, I feel been dragged into the poli- politics in our polarized moment. So um, you have any thoughts on that about how, how to, and we're going to go deeper into this, but I'm guessing there's a way to do it right. Yeah. And I, again, I think it depends on the person and what it means to them and their personal journey and how they honor the people that are, that have come before them. Um, and I think when I used to hear it in spaces that I would be in, sometimes it would, and this is me being honest, like it did make me feel there was a sort of this empty feeling of, you know, what does it mean? Like yeah. I hear somebody say it, but then, but why do I feel that way? And so I think that's when I took uh, my personal journey and understanding where land acknowledgements came about. And it was through my mom and a friend, uh, especially my friend. Uh, he had said, you know, we have been doing, he reminded me, you know, like we've been doing this for centuries, um, but it's just because of modern times, you know, where universities and colleges have, have landed, uh, that's their way of recognizing the land that they have occupied. And so um, through my personal journey, um, it has meant a lot for me to really understand what it means to me as well. And I think because of that, I've been able to recognize the land, but also make it a teaching moment as well, and then also make it a call to action to others, um, and not just make it feel feel like more of a scripted, you know, I think it has its place, you know, the script, um, but also I think when it comes to land acknowledgements, it, it's also a learning opportunity to understand where you are at, and the history, you know, the treaties, and, uh, you know, where the people have... Um, where they have come from and then also modern times too you know their the tribal sovereignty uh you know there's an urban native population um you know how how do we recognize that through land acknowledgments as well Mm -hmm. too well and to when you were giving your clan names i'm like that's place that's land and that's acknowledging where you come from yeah I like that a lot. So we're going to play a song off your Music Meets Activism playlist. And this one I struggled to find. It's a a version by Cecil Etzity, Danae for Sacred Mountain Song. In this video, folks, we'll put a link in the show notes. You do have to check it out because the mountains are identified in the video. But why did you want to play this song? So I think it also personalizes who I am as a Danae woman, um, a Danae Hassan, that, you know, no matter where where I'm at, I always have those songs to carry with me, and I always have a sense of place, you know, my sense of, of back home. But even in, you know, out of this Four Sacred Mountains, I am still in a place where I, you know, I acknowledge who I am, and then also that the, uh, like, the creator, that they um, recognize who I am even when I'm outside of the Four Sacred Mountains. And so I, I'm so grateful uh, that I live in a place where we do have mountains because I've always grown up near near mountains. And so it, it's like a sen- it's a sense of home for me as well. So from Mount Music Meets Activism with our guest Rosanna Benali-Sog, this is Danae Four Sacred Mountain Song on KRCL. 
And that is a song from Music Meets Activism playlist tonight from Rosanna Benali Sog. And it is called Diné for Sacred Mountain Song. We're talking about land acknowledgments, which you can get some education on through Magnify Utah, through the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. And Rosanna, talk to me a bit more about how you're working to help organizations and individuals with the mindset they need to adopt in order to avoid that going through the motions or that script we were talking about a moment yeah. ago or checking that box. I think it's inevitable that it may feel a bit like that, but um, you've got some some advice for folks. Sure. Uh, so, and I think uh, a lot of it is leading by example as to, uh, too. So when I have been asked to do land acknowledgements, uh, and I've been able to do it through our division as well, which is a safe space for me to do that, um, and I think one of the things that is most important is making sure that the land acknowledgments are edu- an educational tool to the mm-hmm. to the people before, um, and then also that it's a call to action. And me, as a person who is a proponent proponent of literacy, um, I always try to make sure to implement um, maybe a call to action of like learn more about the indigenous populations here in Utah or nationally. And, uh, you know, an, maybe a book about from a, an author of an engine from indigenous community and, you know, making that step to understand. Um, so if you're going to make that statement publicly, a land acknowledgement that you also make sure you do that research before. And I, I love the way that UEN um, helps sort of share that information. Channel nine, the Utah Education yeah. Network. Yeah. And so they they um, help to. I guess provide that information as well too, and they also acknowledge that you know it, it is it that not every land acknowledgement will be perfect, but that you also recognize the fact that you have to do your due diligence and in, in you know researching and understanding what a land acknowledgement is. And Claudia Loiza is with us as well from the Magnify Utah Project at the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs and Story Maps as a learning tool. This whole platform is for folks. With, who can do some self-directed learning. And so there's a whole section and there's a video with Rosanna Correct. on it that goes through this for folks. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, beyond our wonderful conversation here, we we have a story map, which, again, is a digital platform for place-based storytelling. Um, and it's specifically on this concept of land acknowledgments. And you'll see different sections on, um, number one, you know, who we acknowledge, why we acknowledge, and then also expanding how we actually do that acknowledgement. And I think Rosanna has brought some wonderful points about um, that there are so many different ways to acknowledge um, the land that we reside on and um, honoring our indigenous um, brothers and sisters and leaders and community members who, again, um, have such you know deep ties to the land. So um, definitely explore that story map. We've got community members um, quoted in there that kind of give their personalized connection to what acknowledgement means. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to um, someone that we quoted in there that has a close connection to me. Um, it's it's my father-in-law, actually. So my, my, my husband, my partner is... Um, Ganyagahaga Mohawk, and um, he has his own experience too, right? With with land acknowledgments, he he was a lacrosse coach for this past season, and lacrosse um, or the medicine game, as maybe folks don't understand it quite yet, is um, traditionally a, a Mohawk sport. And um, something I learned, right, as I entered into my relationship with him, something that I had to have my own personal experience around how we not just acknowledge the land, but also maybe some of the traditions that we're not um, quite as aware of ha- that have this deep indigenous connection to 
to it. So um, again, there's just so many different wonderful treasures within the story maps that we're putting out there, but really it's based on trying to elevate and put on a platform um, the stories around our communities and, and why we share them. Well, I think this is a great spot to drop in a song from from your music oh, yeah. needs activism playlist. Tell us about Taupo Point. So this specific artist, I have to just kind of give a, a quick preface. So I am Latina, right? I know I mentioned this last time, but uh, my journey to like my personal identity was, was, you know, kind of just so varied, right? So I, I'm also exploring my indigenous heritage, right? As a mestiza woman, um, someone that has a mix of Mexican indigenous, Peruvian indigenous, Spanish, European, French, all these different things, right? Um, and Shotetska uh, Martinez, who is the artist behind this song, um, is a Mexica artist. So he um, is someone, again, that is trying to reconnect himself to those indigenous roots of his. Um, his artist, his music is beautiful to me because it mixes in the Spanish, it mixes in the English, it mixes in the hip-hop, the rap, and, you know, the beautiful Nahuatl language that I'm, I'm personally trying to learn. Like, it's still a huge struggle to me, but uh, my great-grandma, great-great-grandma now, actually, her, her last name was um, Tlapale, which means strength in Nahuatl. Um, and as I listened to his, his music, I just really felt such a deep connection to something that was so deep within me again um, that I had kind of forgotten. So it's it's a wonderful reconnection to some of my roots. Well, and I've never heard of this artist or oh, this cool. song, so yeah. I'm in love with the song and the artist who's a yeah. young climate activist exactly. as well. Exactly, yes, yes. He is one, you know part of the up-and-coming global generation of youth that are really leading um, this kind of climate advocacy, climate accountability um, discussion. And he, he is from Boulder, Colorado, um, is wonderful at organizing, has spoken at, you know, the UN, um, is just on all, so many different, you know, decision making and, you know, big platforms. So um, doing great things. And I, you know, love what he does altogether. So here is Taupo Point, a song from Music Meets Activism, in the playlist tonight with Rosanna and Claudia here on KRCL Radioactive, the artist. Shootes Cattle. Shootes Cattle. Shootes Cattle. Yeah. It's, Much it's better tough. than it's me. Tough. <laughs> it's tough. Right here on KRCL Radioactive. Stick around. <laughs> That's Taupo Point by Shootes Cattle. Right here on KRCL 90.9, Music Meets Activism with Claudia Loiza and Rosanna Benali Sog from Magnify Utah, a project of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs to create a collective remembrance, a, an archive of our stories and how different they are, but how we can dip in th into them and, and learn about each other. So, Claudia, this song is about a particular place, right? It is, yeah. We're, we're continuing that theme with that theme of place. And um, Shotetska is, again, the artist behind this song, Tapo Point. And, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's actually about a pilgrimage place in Aotearoa, which is New Zealand. Um, and he's got such a multicultural um, dynamic to him, right? So his 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 father is Aztec of Aztec heritage. Um, his mother has you know some deep ties with the Pacific Islands and, um, and an Pacifica activist, in general. Right? She's and he, the one who yes, she's the climate <laughs> activist. Yes, um, but so Table Point is a very sacred place to the Maori people, um, and he was trying to connect the sense of place to again 
the um, concept of tradition, the concept of healing mm-hmm. and, you know, really connecting to your roots. And you probably heard in the song, you know, different ref- references to elders, references to tobacco, to blessings, to a sacredness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just ties in super well to our conversation because, again, it's centered around a specific place which has a sacred meaning, a sacred element to it. Um, and he's trying to reconnect it to him, right, in his his own origin story, his yeah. own sense of self. And um, every time I listen to it, I just can't help but conjure up the image of my, you know, wonderful, my, my, my beautiful great-great-grandmother, Tomasa Tlapale, who um, was Tlaxcala, actually, so a, a tribe within the Aztec Empire. Um, and she was just this fiery, just um, spitfire woman. I mean, she, I don't, I didn't get a chance to meet her, obviously, but all the stories that I've heard of her, um, I just, I just envision this woman that just knows exactly who she is yeah. and how she moves in the world and... Also, she had a bag, apparently, that she would use to, like, smack people around when they weren't (laughs) behaving. So (laughs) I aspire to be that woman every day. Well, thanks for sharing that song. It's definitely going on my summer playlist. It just came out a year ago, it looks like. Yeah, pretty fresh. And uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to all the songs on our playlist tonight for Music Meets Activism. So, Rosanna, we've got a couple more that you're adding to the list before we're done tonight. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your process in creating a land acknowledgement that connects to your lived experience. And, you know, Claudia's talking about kind of discovering a lot of things that she didn't know. It sounds like you've known a lot for most of your life about your, uh, your heritage. Yeah, and I think that's something that I have taken for granted. Um, it's something that I think was because I, I've lived most of my life on my tribal land. And um, I think just some of the practices that have been there, I just take for granted. And now that I live here in the city, and then espo- especially engaging with more urban natives who have grown up here, I've, I've also appreciated the things that I, I learned as I grew up. And I think developing the process, I feel like I'm doing this for, for the people who maybe may not have that connection to their land to also, like I said, make a teaching, making it a teaching moment, uh, making it a call to action. And then also kind of bringing that sense of space of like, you belong, you are here, you have a connection. Um, and then also, I think I think of my, my son, my 10 month old son and my, my niece, my nieces and my nephew, you know, how am I making this a better place for them? We talk about placemaking. How do I make it a better place for them? How do I help them understand that where they come from, who they are, and then through their clans, you know, that is who they are as a Dana person, as an indigenous person, that they have connections to the land, to the to Mother Earth as well. And so when I develop these, I have those, those uh my nieces and nephew and my son in mind and then also the the urban native population who want that connection back to their homeland you know how do I also help include them here as well and I think that's something that I've learned um, especially being on the urban Indian um, center uh, of Salt Lake board of directors is you know just making sure that I also am contributing contributing back to the population as well. So have you kind of changed your attitude yourself toward land acknowledgments as as part of doing this project for Magnify Utah? I, yeah, and and that's why I call it a journey is just because at first it 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 felt I felt distant from it and I think because of that personal journey and understanding why I do it and understanding why other people's why other people do it as well too. I think I have more of this openness to it and then also that there's not just one way to do it, a land acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. I think it comes from heart and compassion and, and making sure that everyone belongs where they're at. 
Well, and also creates a, a sense of home, I think, yeah. right? And a broader definition of home when we look at all the different folks that are in Utah. And that brings me to the next song on your Music Meets Activism playlist, Home to Me by a collective of artists. I'm sure I'm not saying this right, Nwe Janan. But uh, okay, why did you pick this song? I think it's just the lyrics. It's just a sense of, you know, that we have a population of youth who maybe missed out on some of those cultural practices or those cultural connections to their own homeland. And I think this is also a way for them to welcome that um, conversation or that inviting them back to their homeland. Um, And then also just kind of taking it from the youth native perspective as well. And this is a, a group that is out of Canada, so... And I believe it's youth on this song as yeah, well. So a yeah, lot of youth. So song. folks, here we go. Check it out. Home to me on Music Meets Activism. KRCL Radioactive. And that's Home to Me by a collection of artists and youth. Inwe Jinan artists. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the song. And it's from the Music Meets Activism playlist of my guests this evening, Rosanna and Claudia from the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs. Thank you so much for coming in. And I wanted to ask you another question here as I my computer's just running amok. So um, I'm guessing that this work leads to other conversations. Like when you think you're done with one project, like, oh, wait, we should talk about this. So what are you working on next, Rosanna? Yeah. Um, and, and that's I also want to give a shout out to Claudia because this is also, a, um, you know, a work in project and there's also room for um, other stories to be heard as well. And it also made me think about a conversation I had with one of our MLK commission chairs and she had brought up, you know, how they can do a land acknowledgement during maybe their meetings or events that they have. And we had a really great conversation about, um, you know, how do we also honor the the, even the people, you know, we have the the people, whether we call them First Nations or Indigenous, but also the the history and the the people that occupied this land. How do we also recognize the people who have, uh, you know, I think about um, the transcontinental, um, you know, when the Golden the, Spike you know, and exactly, all of that, yeah, the Chinese rail workers, mm-hmm. the black workers. And, and we, there's that conversation about this sta- this land, um, stolen land built with stolen hands. And I'm guessing this is story storytelling that needs to co- continue. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even just having these, you know, conversations with you, Laura, is, I think, a starting point to start acknowledging um why it is that we need to start telling these stories and there's more than one story there is more than one story and i know you know you mentioned at the beginning just giving a shout out to senator e, jenny janie iwamoto who is going to be joining us you know in um she's, she's couple on weeks here. labor day we're gonna do that yeah labor day we'll so record exactly yeah but i mean um you know japantown plum alley mm-hmm. um you know the the different immigrant enclaves that we have in salt lake city and even in northern utah southern utah all these different stories that haven't been told um, I love that Rosanna mentioned that conversation with our MLK Commission Chair, Bridget Shears. And um, there's just so much to, I think, root us and center us and ground us when we, t- you know, enter into a space. So, you know, I, I, I love um, just the potential of, you know, when we go to a convention at the Salt Palace, for example, um, will we, are we able to maybe acknowledge yeah. Japantown and the Japanese community there that have been, you know, such a pillar and a, and a cornerstone to that area for so long. And we can tell the good stories and the hard stories. Exactly. Yeah. And it will be something that we can 
uh, come together over. So what's yes. the website again? Because folks can also add their stories and their own assets to the asset map. Exactly. Yeah. So if you all go to multicultural.utah.gov forward slash magnify, you'll get to our homepage, which will help you navigate to the different sub pages, including our asset directory, which will take you to, again, all those different 300, over 300 listings of places to explore. Teachers, um, are you hearing? Yeah. Teachers, <laughs> teachers, organizations, you know, community members, those that are just moving into Utah or just, you know, have been here for their, their entire lives. Me, you know, born and raised here in Utah, but um, I've gone through such a wonderful learning journey, right? And I didn't learn about this in Utah history, right? But here eighth I am. Eighth grade civics didn't cover Eighth grade civics didn't cover this, <laughs> but I am, you know, here I am 25 years old and just relearning, you know, what yeah. Utah is to me. So always something new to learn and you can do it with Magnify Utah exactly. and add your story. Exactly. All right, folks, check tonight's show notes for all the links. But again, multicultural.utah.gov slash magnify, I yep. believe, is the That's shortest it. way to get there. We've got one more song to go out on. So why don't you tell us about this one, Rosanna? It's by Taboo with the Black Eyed Peas. I think the uh, Mag 7, the Illuminata, Illuminative, a whole bunch of folks collaborated on this uh, for Indigenous Peoples Day back in 2019, I believe. Yes. Yeah, it was. And I love this song because it's a conglomerate of just so many Native cultures in there. I see cultures from like the Southern Arizona, some in uh, California and then the Plains. And so I just love the song. And then also the message that it sends is, you know, we are one world, but we also have, you know, diversity and we should celebrate um, everyone here on this earth, this mother earth. Well, thank you both for coming in and for an, a great music meets activism playlist. I really appreciate it. Thank I'm you. Laura Jones. That's Radioactive tomorrow night on the show. Join us for another edition. And we're going to have some more fun with Music Meets Activism. My guest tomorrow night is going to be Sam and Echo of the Sierra Club's Beyond Coal campaign. Plus, Afa Akona Neo Meitolu is back for more Isoso Resting Collectively, Rising Collectively. And Ivoni Nash from Talakola to talk about the friendly Tongan Islands Festival. Here we go. One World, We Are One on KRCL 90.9. Have a great night. Thanks for listening.